Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I think you can tell how I'm doing by how long it takes me to say the Bruce, usually. If if you timed it on <laughs> nights when the Oilers have done well, it's a little longer. I'm doing great, Bruce. That was a... No Oilers badly injured against the Flames. 4-1 to one victory, winning the season series against them. Hammering shut their coffin in terms of the Flames' playoff hopes. Three points for McD uh, on his path to 100 points. And, uh, you know, I, I've been listening all day to the audiobook of Game of Thrones, which also has given me a great amount of joy. I don't know if you've ever heard the audio, audiobook, oh. but it is fantastic. And All I would right. recommend if if you're on Audible and and you uh, listen to books, it's it's just a great way to, as you're doing some housework, uh, to pass the time. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm drinking a big red toast to the uh, Calgary Flames uh, uh, departure from the playoff picture, which I think is pretty much assured with tonight's results. Yeah. Had to be a bitterly disappointing. Uh, for them, what happened in Montreal, where Ottawa had Montreal down 2 nothing, almost halfway through the third period, and the Habs fought back <clears throat> with some good desperation hockey. They really did take over the, the game, and they, they scored two to, to tie it. Almost had another that was disallowed on goalie interference, but then eventually won it in overtime on the Cole Caulfield, uh, Dylan Holloway's old teammate, first NHL goal in overtime. In a key game, that's the way to do it, and a beauty too. Anyways, that had to that had to be a stake in the heart of the Flames that were maybe starting to think, you know, we could gain two points on Montreal tonight if Ottawa can finish the job. And having first-hand experience of having Ottawa finishing the job on them over and over again six times this year, Calgary lost to Ottawa. It would be a double disappointment. And then they came out, and uh, Edmonton just took it to them right from the beginning, and the Oilers owned basically first 15 minutes of that game and then Calgary gradually uh, uh, started to uh, to uh, dominate the possession and territorial play and they cut it to one but uh, uh, that's as close as they got in a couple late empty netters and it wound up 4-1 it was not a 4-1 game it was closer than that but Edmonton won it and Calgary's going down yeah Bruce the interesting thing is Montreal now and Winnipeg have both played 50, 50 games, toast to that. 50 games. Uh, we should do a virtual fist bump, Bruce, over mm. the Flames going down. <laughs> <laughs> Montreal and Winnipeg have only played 50 games. That gave me a lot of joy doing the virtual fist bump, I have mm, to say. It was fun. Yeah, you know. Uh, 50 games. And, and Montreal's now just two points behind Winnipeg. I don't want to play the Haps in the first round, so I hope Winnipeg can hang on there. We'll see what happens. The Oilers can control that somewhat by beating Montreal in the in their uh, upcoming games. Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And uh, because it's a fine Oilers victory, we'll do two good things each. What is your first good thing? Well, I got to go back to the well. You know, last game I credited Mike Smith with a huge save that kept the Oilers in the game, and another one I'm going to credit his overall performance in which he stopped 29 of 30 shots on the night but one save that stands far above any of the others in my eyes which happened uh, 
about six minutes into the first period, and this was after Edmonton had absolutely dominated the opening going and had several great chances, scored a deserved goal, and easily could have had a couple more, but for Jacob Markstrom. And then all of a sudden, almost out of nowhere, Calgary manufactured this one great chance, one-timer from the slot, from the deadly Andrew Mangiapane, who did not miss. And Smith flashed out the pad and got a, got a, uh, a piece of that shot. And to me, that was a game-turner right then and there. And I know you said the same thing in the, yeah. in the notes. That if Calgary scores there, after Edmonton's carried all the play to that point, and they come down and get one chance and it goes in the net, then guess who's got the momentum? And guess who's got the hot goalie? And, and, but Smith answered uh, the, the saves that had been made by Markstrom to that point with a huge, huge save of his own. And the order scored the 2-0 goal shortly thereafter, which we'll talk about in a minute. But that save alone deserves a round of applause. That was, uh, you know, they talk about timely saves. That was a timely save. Certainly was. He had 11 grade A shots against him, Bruce, uh, and he let in one goal. Mm-hmm. You know, 11 grade A shots, you'd expect two or three goals against. Yep. But uh, Mike Smith has been getting it done. He has been getting it done, Bruce. Just gonna check his uh, real quick here. Games played. Must be back 10. up to nine twenty-three, is he? After yeah, night. where does he rank? Maybe nine twenty-four. He had a nine sixty-seven posted tonight, so nine twenty. I don't know if they've added in the game yet. Nine twenty-two. That was before tonight. Huh? 20, okay, they haven't added in his game point. tonight, so we can't Probably update you. Yeah. Uh, he, I, he's or keeps kick, kicking them out, doesn't he? It's amazing. 39 years old. Yeah. It's the second coming of Johnny Bauer here. On that particular yeah. play, you know, it was a, it was a, I thought Ryan McLeod has done well at center, but that was his one gaffe where he kind of got sucked into the corner there. Barry lost the battle and Nurse doesn't prevent the pass out and McLeod's there. Instead of being in the slot covering his his man, he was behind the net a little bit. A very fast developing play, but McLeod has um, held his own. And I'm going to segue into my first good thing, which I thought was the play of that line. Mm-hmm. Um, as everyone knows, I'm not a huge fan of combining McDavid and Dreisaitl, but it's mainly because, in, in large part, it's because of how the other lines play when they're not split up. And uh, I liked it when Tippett made this decision to go with Puliyarvi, Nugent Hopkins, and McLeod today. I thought that that might work. McLeod has shown enough in his short time um, that that he maybe is going to hang in there. And, and I thought that that line did. They created a number of scoring chances. Nugent um, had a couple dangerous ones in the third period at the, uh, working his way in there. And then there was, there was right. one in the second period as well. Uh, or was that early in the third period? Yeah, early in the third period. So three three uh, grade-A scoring shots for Nugent Hopkins in the third period uh, as the Oilers were holding a lead. They're all big. Well, Nugent isn't big, but they're all very fast players. And McLeod and Pugliarvi are, are big players. Pugliarvi's become a, quite a physical player. McLeod isn't a physical player, but he can re- he's really handling the puck with confidence. And there was one rush there where, you know, you have that split second, who is that? And I thought, is that McDavid? And it was McLeod, you know, he was just same size, same speed, and he made a really nice move with the puck. I sometimes have that same thing with Devin Shore, where you think, who, who is that? And, he, and he'll look for, like, for McDavid for a split second. 
too bad it's not more seconds in each game. But McLeod is a very promising hockey player, Bruce. I think it's fair to say at this point. At least he's he seemed to be that way in his audition in the NHL. He looks like he's got the right toolkit. He is not a physical player. Uh, and the key is going to be his defensive play and covering that defensive slot, if he can get that right, because he's got lots going for him. And uh, we'll see if this second line works out, if they can get some points, that would be great. Uh, but if they keep getting the great A chances, they will get some points. No, they, they, uh, they certainly had by far the better of the, uh, the flow of play tonight. Uh, shots for 7-3 for Nugent Hopkins. And for McLeod, 7-4. Uh, and for Paul Yarview, I thought it had an excellent game, 8-2. Yarview was outshot the Flames while he was out there. And he was uh, disrupting uh, the play a lot. And he was pissing off the Flames a little bit. And uh, uh, generally, I think Jessa enjoys playing against the Flames. He's had a, a string of good results and goals against them. Almost, almost 25% of his career goals have been scored against Calgary. Well, I wonder if it's hearing, you know, the Oilers should have drafted Kachuk and not Pulley Arvey. Hearing that enough, maybe. I don't know <laughs> if he hears that at all. Maybe he's smart enough to stay off the internet and not listen to talk sports talk radio. Uh, but that has been said enough. Uh, I really liked his play uh, on the first chance that that line had in the early in the, in the uh, third period. That's one where McLeod steams in there real fast and mm-hmm. sets up uh rnh for a very tricky shot at kind of at the side of the net but it, it it was so tricky in large part because markstrom didn't know where it was going and pulley rv had moved in there like like a snowplow and was creating chaos oh. in front of the net so good for yes a pulley rv bruce what is your second good thing my second good thing happens on the exact same uh continuation of the exact same sequence of my first good thing but almost a minute later the play carried on and carried on. Uh, there was a line change, and out came the big boys um, of, um, of Dry Saddle McDavid and Yamamoto. Well, they're not all big, but you know what I mean. The big line. <laughs> <laughs> you were you uh, had it right initially, and then, yeah. Along with uh, Jones and Bear, and they came uh, rushing up the ice. First of all, Jones sent a nice pass out, and. Uh, uh, Drysaddle came barreling up the wing, and he fired a hard shot that caught Markstrom high up. I'm not even sure if it didn't gong him in the mask or it's certainly high in the shoulder. And there was a loose puck and a bit of chaos in the uh, Calgary zone, and the Oilers just absolutely took over. Uh, Yamamoto recovered the rebound. Uh, he fed it back to uh, Jones at the point. He fed it over to Bear at the other point. He fed it up the boards to Drysaddle. Uh, he he found McDavid circling behind him and that's where McDavid cut into the middle of the slot and opened up the the Calgary defense like a can opener and then slipped a cross-ice pass over to Bear who hammered home the one-timer and you know what all five guys made a pass Bear handled the puck twice the second time being a shot all guys all five guys received and made a pass in a 10 second span there it was like what you call the virtuous cycle, but it was a very short and perfect one. It took 10 seconds from puck recovery to puck in the net. 
and the whole I love the whole sequence and I, I argued and then ultimately unsuccessfully with you and, and technically <laughs> you were correct that I thought it was a play where we should credit all five guys on the on the scoring play for doing their jobs and doing it well resulting in a goal because it was a con that was a great team goal even though it was ultimately a great individual play by who else 97 but uh they, their work and their fast cycling and their skating, they were moving while they were cycling the puck, and that was the key. And it was that movement that got the Calgary defense all moving that opened up that that uh, gash into the middle for McDavid to uh, take full advantage of as uh, only he can, or as especially yeah, he can. You called him a can opener. He's like a Swiss <laughs> army knife, except he's just one part of the knife, the big blade constantly slashing open the opposing defense and he sure did on that play what a fantastic move that he made into the slot and um, he wanted he was on tonight both he and Drysaddle looked a lot better uh, they were just flying out there tonight and determined to get something done especially in the first period yeah they, they slowed especially. down a bit which segues into my uh, second good thing the Oilers um, had established a, what was the lead at that point, a two-to-one a two to one lead. But the Flames are coming on late in the second period. They got, uh, from the ten, ten, last 10 minutes of the second period, the scoring chances were five grade-A chances for the Flames, zero for the Oilers. And uh, Flames had also scored a goal. They had the momentum. Yeah. And with a minute left, they had a really, really good chance where there was a tough shot on net and there was a rebound chance that just missed the net. They could have easily gone in. Minute minute left, I think it's Gaudreau's line that's out there, and they are just creating chaos in the order's end. And who comes to the rescue is my good thing. Adam Larson. Bruce, I just thought he had a great game. I, just, I really admire this player. I think when you're a kid, you really love the offensive talent and I still do I love Connor McDavid's game and the way he plays hockey as an adult uh I've come to really admire the defensive players as well and Adam Larson is the epitome this year of an outstanding shutdown defensive defenseman and in that last minute of play he showed why people like John Shannon say he is the priority for the Oilers for signing in the offseason in terms of internal free agents. And it's a position that most Oilers fans don't agree with. They would say R&H, but I agree with John Shannon that Larson is the priority. With with about 30 seconds left and the Flames are putting on all kinds of pressure, Buddy Robinson comes down, takes a shot, and Larson's in the way of it. Comes out, uh, comes out to Kachuk, and it's even a more dangerous shot, and Larson again blocks it. Puck goes behind the net. Again, they're threatening. It's a very It's scary as hell. And who blocks that pass out front? Larson. And it goes flying out of the zone. They come back in and they get one more shot from the point. And who blocks it? Adam Larson. Four great defensive plays within about 35 seconds. Wow. He has been, he, he, he kept a clean sheet tonight, Bruce. He is by far, well, he's not by far. He is the Oilers defenseman who is least likely to make a major mistake on a grade A chance against. And he's moving the puck fairly well as well. No, I understand that he's he's uh, he's a little bit older. He's had injury problems in the past, so you have to be careful in terms of term. But I I I I think he's just fantastic. I, I admire this player a lot, and uh, hope the Oilers can find a way to bring him back. And again, I would sign him sooner than later because if the Oilers go on a playoff run, he's going to be a key part of it, and he's not going to get any cheaper. 
Yeah, he's not going to get any cheaper, that's for sure. So Larson tonight, he played uh, uh, he played 20, 23 minutes, almost yep. 24 minutes on the right side of the of the uh, second pairing. And, of course, in the third pairing, he pl- period, he played uh, uh, a little bit more than he normally would. Uh, but um, uh, I loved his game. I mean, that's, uh, you pointed out that sequence. But I just noticed how many times that there would be pressure in the Oilers zone. And then the puck would go from the Oilers' defensive left side to the Oilers' defensive right side. And from there, the trouble would be quickly be quelled and the puck would be going Oh, not necessarily going far, but going in the right direction. And because Larson would have mashed some guy in the corner and taken him out of the play to break the cycle, or he would have got the puck, puck and made a calm but safe clearing play with it, which he did a lot of times in this game, or, or, or just short pass. But but he, he's so composed, and he's been so big in these games. And we've seen a lot of these games, David, now where the Oilers are ahead two one, three two, for the whole third period. And and just sort of whiling away the clock, and he's a master of of uh, of keeping things simple, keeping the play to the outside, and when he gets a guy in the corner to lay a bit of a lick on the guy, <laughs> he's tough. Six hits. He, he so reminds me of Jason Smith, and that, Jason Smith is a player who I loved when he was here, and I, I, I I'm very very fond of, of Adam Larson. I have to admit, as I've mentioned, as an old goalie, I like the. D men who can uh, who can uh, take their pound of flesh while they're also making the defensive plays, and that's uh, that's Larson, and uh, uh, he's uh, he's gotten a, a grade of eight from me tonight. The shot metrics say that Calgary had 23 shot attempts to 12 when Larson was on the ice, but the shots on goal were only eight to nine, and the high danger scoring chances were four for the Oilers and two for the Flames. So for all the possession that they had. In Edmonton territory, not much of it became anything dangerous in front of the net. And as you say, we dinged Larson with zero mistakes on anything that became a serious Calgary chance. So, just a, just another rock solid game from the uh, uh, from the big Swede. Yeah, six hits, four block shots. Yeah. Uh, I'd even be like, I'd be tempted to think of a nine. Like it's mm-hmm. it's like in terms of defensive effort. Like I was, you know, it's. Great game for sure. Maybe even more than that. Like if you think about it, because um, it was a because of his import to the team. Like he's also playing tough minutes, and yeah. and we 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 see again Tippett going to his standard thing. Right, ten minutes left. You don't <laughs> you don't see Tyson Berry or Caleb Jones on the ice. Um, he goes with uh, Kulikov, Larson, and uh, Bear and Nurse, and it's working out. Um, and they can I think they can handle those minutes. Uh, towards the end of a game, they seem to be do, they do just fine. There tends to be you know, like timeouts and breaks, especially right at the end. So, I, Kulikov was also a little bit better. Um, there was one slip up, but um, he was a little bit better than uh, I thought. Their partnership looked a little more settled tonight mm-hmm. in terms of uh, reading each other, moving the puck. So we'll see how that develops. Time to move on to our bad things, Bruce. Your bad thing was. Well, I got to single out that one Calgary goal, you know, uh, as being the, the bad thing. And, and uh, what I didn't like about it was the cardinal mistake of a team with a multi-goal lead somehow getting burned for a clear breakaway. Uh, and 
that has to do with uh, uh, defensemen just not being sharp on their job. And this time I'm going to uh, have to single out Caleb Jones, who on a standard routine transition play was beaten by the long bomb pass up the boards to uh, uh, Matthew Kachuk, who got behind Jones to such a degree that he was able to receive that pass and burst in on goal and, and get a good shot away without any any uh, uh, any real attempt to check from, uh, from, well, he was just too far back to be able to make a play on him. And Smith did make the save, but uh, the rebound bounced past Ethan Bear onto the stick of Johnny Goudreau, who doesn't know what to do with it, and he did that thing. And Bear, poor Bear, he almost got his skates in front of it, but I think the shot went right in between his skates and, and found a hole. And it was a play where, um, I mean, Smith kicked out the rebound, sure, but uh, the big mistake was made by the defender who let the uh, Calgary forward get in behind him for a breakaway. So that was my bad thing. I love Caleb Jones, even now with the puck on his stick. He can really move the puck, and he's, he seems to be having quite a bit of confidence right now and success mm-hmm. moving the puck. He and Bear, both sharp players with the puck, and they they seem to be synced up together. And I think I overall kind of prefer Jones to Chris Russell um, if I had to pick. But, uh, Bruce, this, this you know, we, we track major mistakes on grade-A scoring chances mm-hmm. against. And... He leads the team for defensemen, and it's not really that close. He and Barry, uh, Barry really struggles in that area. But Jones has just had a tough, tough year, and and that's the kind of play that that you know. There's some fans who are totally mystified why Dave Tippett doesn't trust Jones more. That's the kind of play that typifies it. That's why. And we can, you know, if you're, you know, we'll give you our document. You can you can search if you have NHL.com. You can go back and look at the video. We've time-stamped all of his mistakes. You can check them out. They, they are they. This happens. This is real. No, people aren't making it up. The coach isn't smoking something. Jones has struggled on defense, and until he stops struggling like that, um, the coach isn't going to trust him. Now you could say, oh well, other defensemen got beat on rushes, and that one just yeah. ended up as a goal. But uh-huh. here's the difference, Bruce. Kulikov and Nurse both got beat for two-on-ones in, in similar circumstances. But both of those came on the dread offensive zone turnover at the near the blue line. Right. And the defense has less chance to react. And um, so Nuge on the one play and dry sidle on the other. They both turned it over. And the defense, they're caught out. And they can get caught on a two-on-one in those situations. There wasn't that kind of turnover with when Jones was out there. He just needs to play that better. And and I think he will. I, I, I still think he's going to be a really good NHL defenseman. I have that hope for him. Got to stop that kind of play, though. He, he can't make it. Yeah, maybe in Seattle. I mean, I'm sorry to say it, but it's, uh, um, you know, I mean, he's clearly losing um, the confidence of his coach. Um, nine minutes and nine seconds he played tonight. Nine minutes. Yeah, and, uh, Darnell Nurse played 31 minutes and 34 seconds. So basically, he played his own shifts and and Jones's in the third period. I think is how it how it must have worked out. Uh, I haven't looked at that in detail yet, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Nurse, holy moly, played 13 minutes in the second period and 10 in the third. Darnell's in the rocking chair for a lot of that time. I think he can actually mm-hmm. handle those minutes without suffering greatly because he's 
Manny, you're playing such a smart, heady game, Nurse, this year. I just mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't bother me to see him getting the major minutes like that, honestly, because I think he he doesn't get hit a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not playing an overly physical game himself, uh, going for the big hit. He's just playing smart Doug Harvey hockey. So, well, Jones on the on that shift that the goal was scored halfway through the second period was an 18 second shift, and he came off, and he never saw the ice again in the second period. And the third period, he played just three shifts in two minutes and eight seconds. So clearly an afterthought. And I bet you if you go and you look hard at those shifts and they were, he never saw the ice in the last 13 minutes of the game that the Oilers, you know, that was 2-1 the whole time, of course. And they, But they were protecting the lead. And uh, uh, the reason the lead had been cut in half was because he'd made a, a major mistake. And, you know, Tippett's, uh, uh, he's coaching to win the game. You know, I mean. And, it's all about uh, winning. Yeah, and I will say, and I already did say that Jones is part of that five-man virtuous cycle on the, on the first Oilers he goal. Was. Like he does have the skills to skate with the play, to move the puck well, and he does positive things in the game too. But uh, some of those defensive mistakes are of type glaring, and tonight's was one. I wonder if we'll see Bouchard go in like with the four right shot with the four right shot D formation. I wouldn't. It's a possibility at this point, Bruce. We can see that happen um, sooner than later. Because who are you going to bench on the right side? None of those guys deserve mm-hmm. to be benched. Barry Larson and uh, and Bear. But you know there is that there is a spot. It's not ideal for Bouchard, but you know it's it's garbage time of the season. It the is. orders are firmly ensconced in second place. It's time, Coach. This you know, is the thing. Usually I say, coach, don't, don't listen to it. Don't listen to the cult of hockey. Ignore us completely. Do your own thing. You have better information than us, but uh, I hope he listens to that. Not that well, they listens. are locked, I think, firmly locked in second place now. Yeah. Five points ahead of seven or is it nine points behind Toronto. Yeah. And the Oilers have a game in hand on the Jets. Yeah. Uh, and it's just... I don't see any way that, uh, I mean, Winnipeg needs to get their crap together not to fall to fourth place, uh, let alone make any inroads on Edmonton. I mean, the Oilers uh, this week went uh, went three and one, and they gained six points on the Jets. So that race is virtually over. They're not catching Toronto. They're watching as interested bystanders to see who they're going to be playing in the first round of the playoffs. But they're, uh, I think, home and cooled out. And especially next week, like the next four games are all against Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, play the kid. on fumes already. And I mean, the Oilers, I mean, if they really wanted to take it to them, they could. I don't think they will want to take it to them. And I think one of the ways they will resist taking it to them is by tinkering with the lineup and getting some of these guys uh, a little lower down a game, you know, maybe give Adam Larson a game off or maybe. Give yeah. Barry Fair enough. Use uh, Evan Bouchard out of his natural position. Uh, Barry, hard to say, cause, you know, he's in a contract year and he's, he came here to, to put up the numbers and he probably might be a little resistant to getting, uh, getting pulled, but uh, maybe one game off wouldn't, wouldn't go amiss, and uh, same for Larson, who's been a horse. But if they're playing games that they don't need to win, and especially if they're playing games against a team that they should beat, even if they're down a court, maybe uh, 
um, maybe they'll play that different. I think tonight's results basically cement them in second, and it ends Calgary's hopes of a playoff uh, playoff run altogether. Now eight points back with seven to play. Yeah, it just breaks my heart. Um, Bruce, my bad thing. Not a Flames fan, sorry. Never have been. Uh, All right. Uh, everyone watching at home, virtual fist bump. Virtual I, I kind of like the Atlanta Flames there, that one time when they had Bobby McMillan and Guy Schwinard, but Calgary Flames, no. Bobby Leader, wasn't yeah. he there initially? <laughs> Dave Shand, Richard Mulhern. Okay, Good. mandatory 1970 sports <laughs> reference. We can go, we can sleep easy tonight, Bruce. Um, my bad thing was the final empty net goal. One too many passes, Bruce. One too many mm. passes, because if Archibald had put that puck in the net, Connor McDavid would have got another assist. I was overjoyed when he got the cheapy assist on the first empty net goal, because mm. uh, he's chasing 100 points, He and I, I'd like to see him. I just think that would be fantastic. It would look so great in the record books, and it would kind of stand out for... For years to come in terms of numbers, you know, to have that nice round 100 in 56 games. I stop at 100. <sighs> I hear you. Necessarily be round. Um, he's got 87 points now in 49 games and 1.78 points per game. He needs 13 points in his last seven games. So here's hoping, Bruce. Here's hoping. It's certainly possible. He could run up. He could have a couple big games against the Canucks and get right close, right there. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it's not the biggest issue with the Oilers. It's not that important. He's indicated he doesn't think it's that important, but I still would love to see it. And I love to see him get cheapy goals, uh, cheapy points, because you know he makes so many great plays where he doesn't get the point uh, that it's nice to see it even out now and then with that empty netter. Yeah, well, he's now, I mean, tonight he actually uh, lost ground to uh, the runner-up, Leon Dreisaitl, who had four yeah. points to McDavid's three because he wound up getting the second assist on that uh, last empty netter. Uh, but he's now in uh, 87 to 71, and third place is way back in 64. So the nearest non-oiler is 23 points behind McDavid, 23 points. And McDavid has games in hand on many of the leaders because uh, a lot of the American teams are getting close to the end of their schedule. Indeed. Your number, Bruce. Oh, yeah. I had a number, and then I used it already um, <laughs> when I talked about Nurse's ice time. Uh, and you used the one about Lars's um, hits and block shots. Why don't you go first, and I'll find another number here. Okay. Okay. Uh... I'm just looking at Nar- Larson or Nurse's numbers, Bruce. The the yeah. one good thing about that empty net goal is Darnell Nurse scored it, right? He yep. pa- Archibald, and so that increases boosts boosts Darnell Nurse's chance of being a Norris Trophy final every every goal he gets. Like if he can, I don't know who the leading defenseman is. Let me just check this. Who did the leading but defenseman? But that's going to cost the Oilers on his next contract, David. Don't you know that's a big worry every time he gets a point. <laughs> I'll take it. I know these things are true, Bruce. Fifteen goals. Listen, he's going to get paid now, right? This mm-hmm. is this is every, everyone's 
starting to get at peace with that. Maybe like I'm at peace with it. Like he is going to get paid mm-hmm. and he just, he, he deserves to get paid at this point. Like I'm not going right. to, we'll see maybe if he does, maybe if he, his game somehow falls apart in the playoffs, that could be a different story. But um, right. I don't, I don't really see that happening at this point. He's, he, he is playing with a lot more confidence with the puck. Let me just find here uh, all skaters, forwards, defensemen, get stats. Darnell Nurse has goals. This will be my number, I guess, because I've spent so much time on it. He's got 15 goals. The leader is Jacob Chikrin. Sure was 16. So he's one behind the NHL leader. If he can take over that lead and lead the NHL in goal scoring, be one of the top plus minus defensemen. Let's see where he is there. He's plus 26. Uh, Shea Theodore is the, he's in fourth. Shea Theodore is plus 28. You know, there's going to be a, a, a few there, huh? huge major statistical indicators that um, uh, time on ice. I think he's second for even strength time on ice. Mm-hmm. This is a serious candidate for the Norris Trophy. And even, uh, go ahead. Even strength goals, 14 for Nurse, 13 for Chikrin, 8 for the next guy behind the two of them. Like, they're way out way out in front. And, and Nurse doesn't even play the power play that much. No, that's, so. that's even strength goals. That's where yeah, he gets that's goals. Right. But if he played in the power play, he'd be, he'd be closing in on 20, you'd have to think. Yeah, you would. He's only played 49 games. I mean, if it was a full season, you'd have to think he would get to 20, and that's a great total for the defense. Yeah. One thing we haven't seen is his, like, Tyson Berry has a great shot on the power play. Evan Bouchard Mm -hmm. has that great shot. We we don't know if Nurse could get it through like Berry does uh, with that kind of efficiency. Like, a lot of it is quickness uh, getting off that shot, and he's more of a big, kind of a big wind-up guy. He's a great shooter off the rush. I'm not mm-hmm. sure though, like kind of that set shooter. Clefbaum struggled with a little little bit. Um, I don't know how effective Nurse would be as, if he was the top power play guy, but I'm not counting him out at this point, Bruce, because his game just keeps getting better. Don't you think? He, I, I think he's taken a step up. So, do you, have you found a number? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to dump a little bit on the Oilers' bottom six who got kind of owned in the possession tonight. Yeah, and they had uh, one line that never even got a shot on net. The Devon Shore between James Neal and Alex Chase on line. Yeah, that just looked a little bit slow and a little bit of a step behind. I would say all three guys, and they had you know possession numbers like for sure two shot attempts for twelve against for Chase on two to fourteen, and then the other bottom six line Gaetan Haas three shot attempts to eleven against. So that bottom six was spending uh, uh, quite a lot too much time, for my liking, uh, at their own end of the ice. And we're ha- when they could get it out, they could get it. They might be able to get it to center, and then it would be coming right back in again. Like they weren't getting it deep, and they weren't establishing any zone time or forecheck, really, in the uh, Calgary territory. And you, you know, you'd like to get more than that from your bottom six, even if the t- first line's looking after all the goals. You'd like them to at least be be mucking it up in the middle of the ice rather than, you know, behind their own hash marks kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not... So Cassian and, and we hope Kara will come back, right? Um, mm-hmm. So we could see some changes in, in that group. Um, 
maybe McLeod moving down again to the bottom group. So there's still things that could happen. Um, we might even see tight, uh, Tyler Benson get called up at some point. Um, given how McLeod's worked out, maybe, uh, maybe they'll think, Hey, Tyler Benson was playing pretty, was playing pretty darn good down there as well. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, I'm not sold on shore as a center. Um, mm for the for the bottom lines. I thought Gaetan Haas actually had a better game tonight. He was more effective uh than he has been. He so, blocked three shots, so he made some of those some of that zone possession go away by blocking shots. But uh he, you know, he, he gets the puck and he scoots through the neutral zone and uh, it almost never goes anywhere once he hits the attacking blue zone. That is a fair comment, Bruce. <laughs> He had one incredible block, which was so gutsy. I think it was on the power shorthanded situation, maybe yeah. in the third, if I'm not mistaken, where he it was just a wicked shot, and mm-hmm. he he went to block it, at, which showed incredible guts. But it didn't. I don't think it hit his body. I think it hit his stick, and fortunately didn't hit him in the body, and it knocked his stick out of his hands. But that was a very key block from Gaetan Haas. So, all right, have we covered it, Bruce? What are you? Any final thoughts or other thoughts? Well, Edmonton's now 15 ahead of Calgary with six to play. Uh, so Calgary will not be catching Edmonton for sure. That's that's guaranteed. And let me check now. I, I think it's probably worth our while to... I mean, Vancouver's still got games to play, but they've been losing most of their games. Uh, this is something I should have looked up before we started. Sorry. Just looking oh, at quickly okay. at the standings. Uh, Vancouver and we have Vancouver games. 41 with uh, 11 games to play. So they could still get 63, and Edmonton's at 62. So technically, if Vancouver goes 11-0, and 0, and Edmonton goes 0-7-0, they would beat Oilers by one point. I don't think that's going to happen, do you? No, the poor Canucks are... Yeah, they, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's as close to a mathematical certainty as you could possibly get without it quite being one. And Vancouver, I mean, the Oilers play Vancouver on Monday. And if they even snare one point from that game, they'll be mathematically clinched in the playoffs. And I kind of think they're a pretty good bet to get two points from that game and the subsequent game. So yeah. they'll, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're in. And so uh, good on the Oilers. And hopefully this year they'll... they'll uh, Vancouver's... Go ahead, sorry. Go ahead and play regular playoffs with 16 teams and not 24, like all the extra pretenders they invited in last year. Uh, Yeah, that turned out to be. Uh, (laughs) Vancouver's better. Like Bruce, they're better off tanking at this point. That's the Mm -hmm. truth about the Canucks. Like, um, they're they're in the running for a high draft pick. It's not a particularly you know miraculous draft, is my understanding. Uh, But you never know, and and. Anyway, they'll struggle. They will struggle through. Uh, have to feel. I feel sorry oh, for the Habs fans this year. I don't feel. You know, I don't have the same feelings about Flames fans or Habs fans or Leafs fans ever. Sometimes Leafs fans because there's lots of good Leafs fans. But the Canucks fans, man, that's that was a that's that was a promising team in a lot of ways, and they just had just one thing after another. Pedersen well, got hurt and COVID. Obviously, just tough. They had to play 24 games in the first 44 days, and they were killed by the schedule before the COVID even got to them. They were out of contention because they had played 
they they were just running on fumes by about the middle of February because I never got any time off and they kept getting back to backs. I think they had five or six back to backs before they ever had two game two days even two days between games, and then they had this big rest period opening up before them, and it was the 24th of March was the last game that they played, uh, and they had a whole week off that they were finally going to get a break and that was the week that they got hit with the COVID and by the time they did play again it was April. 16th or whatever the hell it was and and they had then to stack a whole bunch of games in the last month of the season so they had they wound up getting these two heavy heavy doses of hockey with these wide open spaces in between it was just untenable and then throw in the illness and the chaos and uh, now the bad news with Jake for 10 and then it's just been a horrendous nightmare of a season for it really has the other fans who I wouldn't feel sorry for, but I don't have to because they don't have to attend any games, I don't think, is Anaheim Ducks, the longtime hated enemy of the Edmonton Oilers and other Pacific Division foes, who have now gone 23 straight home games without winning one. 23 home games in a row. That's Coach Aikens? Wow. wow. Chop wood, carry water, man. Uh, <laughs> That's, that's unkind. Lot, lot right resume. <laughs> that's unkind. I, I, hope, three I, envelopes. <laughs> I, I hope he does well, Dallas Aikens. He's he's yeah. a sharp cookie. Yeah. But uh, he got dealt a bad hand there in here in Edmonton, and he got dealt another one in in Anaheim. I mean, it's hard to imagine. Twenty three. They got a few betting points in there, but they haven't actually won a game. Maybe it's just in regulation they haven't won one. I, this is one I just read on Twitter. So maybe they stole a win, but they haven't actually beat anybody in like three months. It was January. was their last home win? Literally January. Now it's May. Yeah. Some rough performances from those former Pacific, former and future Pacific Division teams, Bruce, which bodes well for uh, next season with the Oilers. So mm-hmm. Monday night is the next game? Uh, yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, all against Vancouver. Where are they? Home and away? or uh, know? They are, uh, first two are in Vancouver and the next two are here. Okay. So, Alrighty. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. Anaheim won three games in overtime in that span and one in a shootout. But the last home game they won in... They beat an actual team in the regulation time was January 24th. Can you imagine? Yeah. So. Yikes. Yikers. It's too bad they're not in our division this season that they finally really stink because they've, uh, <laughs> they've, they've put, put a lot of hurting on, on uh, well, Western Canadian teams in particular over the last 15 years. Oh, yeah, and every time I see Bieksa on TV, I just think of them too. They just uh, the those hateful games where the orders got screwed by the refs. It just comes fresh, freshly to mind. Oh well, Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast, sponsored by Bruce's Red Mug. Cheers. This one. This bump. Hey, my, oh, there, my fist wasn't showing. There we go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Calgary. <laughs>